Colonel Ingersoll's Replies to His Critics This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Colonel Ingersoll's Replies to His Critics is from the book Lectures of Colonel Robert Green Ingersoll. Colonel Ingersoll's Reply to Dr. Collier now they tell me, and there are several gentlemen who have spoken on this subject, the Reverend Mr. Collier, a gentleman standing as high as anybody, and I have nothing to say against him, because I denounced God who upheld murder and slavery and polygamy, he said that what I said was slang. I would like to have it compared with any sermon that ever issued from the lips of that gentleman and before he gets through he admits that the old testament is a rotten tree that will soon fall into the earth and act as a fertilizer for his doctrine is it honest in that man to assail my motive let him answer my argument is it honest and fair in him to say i am doing a certain thing because it is popular has it got to this, that in this Christian country, where they have preached every day hundreds and thousands of sermons, has it got to this that infidelity is so popular in the United States? If it has, I take courage, and I not only see the dawn of a brighter day, but the day is here. Think of it. A minister tells me in this year of grace, 1879, that a man is an infidel simply that he may be popular. I am glad of it, simply that he may make money. Is it possible that we can make more money tearing up churches than in building them up? Is it possible that we can make more money denouncing the God of slavery than we can praising the God that took liberty from man? If so, I am glad. I call publicly upon Robert Collier, a man for whom I have great respect, I call publicly upon Robert Collier to state to the people of this city whether he believes the Old Testament was inspired. I call upon him to state whether he believes that God ever upheld these institutions, whether God was a polygamist, whether he believes that God commanded Moses or Joshua or anyone else to slay little children in the cradle. Do you believe that Robert Collier would obey such an order? Do you believe that he would rush to the cradle and drive the knife of theological hatred to the tender heart of a dimpled child? And yet when I denounce a God that will give such a hellish order, he says it is slang. I want him to answer and when he answers he will say he does not believe the Bible is inspired. That is what he will say, and he holds these old worthies in the same contempt that I do. Suppose he should act like Abraham. Suppose he should send some woman out into the wilderness with his child in her arms to starve. Would he think that mankind ought to hold up his name forever for reverence? Robert Collier says that we should read and scan every word of the Old Testament with reverence, that we should take this book up with reverential hands. I deny it. We should read it as we do every other book, and everything good in it, keep it, and everything that shocks the brain and shocks the heart, throw it away. Let us be honest. 
Ingersoll's Reply to Professor Swing Professor Swing has made a few remarks on this subject, and I say the spirit he has exhibited has been as gentle and as sweet as the perfume of a flower. He was too good a man to stay in the Presbyterian church. He was a rose among thistles. He was a dove among vultures, and they hunted him out, and I am glad he came out. I tell all the churches to drive all such men out, and when he comes I want him to state just what he thinks. I want him to tell the people of Chicago whether he believes the Bible is inspired in any sense except that in which Shakespeare was inspired. Honor bright, I tell you that all the sweet and beautiful things in the Bible would not make one play of Shakespeare. All the philosophy in the world would not make one scene in Hamlet. All the beauties of the Bible would not make one scene in the Midsummer Night's Dream. All the beautiful things about woman in the Bible would not begin to create such a character as Perditu or Imogene or Miranda. Not one. I want him to tell whether he believes the Bible was inspired in any other way than Shakespeare was inspired. I want him to pick out something as beautiful and tender as Burns' poem to Mary in heaven. I want him to tell whether he believes the story about the bears eating up children, whether that is inspired. I want him to tell whether he considers that a poem or not. I want to know if the same God made those bears that devoured the children because they laughed at an old man out of hair. I want to know if the same God that did that is the same God who said, Suffer little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. I want him to answer it, and answer it fairly. That is all I ask. I want just the fair thing. Now sometimes Mr. Swing talks as though he believed the Bible, and then he talks to me as though he didn't believe the Bible. The day he made this sermon, I think he did, just a little, believe it. He is like the man that passed a ten-dollar counterfeit bill. He was arrested, and his father went to see him and said, John, how could you commit such a crime? How could you bring my gray hairs in sorrow to the grave? Well, he says, Father, I'll tell you. I got this bill, and some days I thought it was bad, and some days I thought it was good. And one day, when I thought it was good, I passed it. I want it distinctly understood that I have the greatest respect for Professor Swing, but I want him to tell whether the 109th Psalm is inspired. I want him to tell whether the passages I shall afterward read in this book are inspired. That is what I want. Ingersoll's reply to Brooke Herford, D.D. Then there is another gentleman here. His name is Herford. He says it is not fair to apply the test of truth to the Bible. I don't think it is myself. He says, although Moses upheld slavery, that he improved it. They were not quite so bad as they were before, and heaven justified slavery at that time. Do you believe that God ever turned the arms of children into chains of slavery? Do you believe that God ever said to a man, You can't have your wife unless you will be a slave. You cannot have your children unless you will lose your liberty. And unless you are willing to throw them from your heart forever, you cannot be free. 
I want Mr. Herford to state whether he loves such a god. Be honor bright about it. Don't begin to talk about civilization, or what the church has done, or will do. Just walk right up to the rack and say whether you love and worship a god that established slavery. Honest and love and worship a god that would allow a little babe to be torn from the breast of its mother and sold into slavery. Now tell it fair, Mr. Herford. I want you to tell the ladies in your congregation that you believe in a god that allowed women to be given to the soldiers. Tell them that. And then if you say it was not the god of Moses, then don't praise Moses any more. Don't do it answer these questions. Ingersoll Gatling Gun turned on Dr. Ryder. Then here is another gentleman, Mr. Ryder, the Reverend Mr. Ryder, and he says that Calvinism is rejected by a majority of Christendom. He is mistaken. There is what they call the Evangelical Alliance. They met in this country in 1875 or 1876, and there were present representatives of all the evangelical churches in the world, and they adopted a creed, and that creed is that man is totally depraved. That creed is that there is an eternal, universal hell, and that every man that does not believe in a certain way is bound to be damned forever, and that there is only one way to be saved, and that is by faith, and by faith alone. And they would not allow anybody to be represented there that did not believe that, and they would not allow a Unitarian there, and would not have allowed Dr. Ryder there, because he takes away from the Christian world the consolation naturally arising from the belief in hell. Dr. Ryder is mistaken. All the orthodox religion of the day is Calvinism. It believes in the fall of man. It believes in the atonement. It believes in the eternity of hell, and it believes in salvation by faith, that is to say, by credulity. That is what they believe, and he is mistaken. And I want to tell Dr. Ryder today, if there is a God and he wrote the Old Testament, there is a hell. The God that wrote the Old Testament will have a hell. And I want to tell Dr. Ryder another thing that the Bible teaches an eternity of punishment. I want to tell him that the Bible upholds the doctrine of hell. I want to tell him that if there is no hell, somebody ought to have said so, and Jesus Christ should not have said, I will at the last day say, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. If there was not such a place, Christ would not have said, Depart from me, ye cursed, and these shall go hence into everlasting fire. And if you, Dr. Ryder, are depending for salvation on the God that wrote the Old Testament, you will inevitably be eternally damned. There is no hope for you. It is just as bad to deny hell as it is to deny heaven. It is just as much blasphemy to deny the devil as to deny God, according to the orthodox creed. He admits that the Jews were polygamists, but, he says, how was it that they finally quit it? I can tell you, the soil was so poor they couldn't afford it. Professor Swing says the Bible is a poem. 
Dr. Ryder says it is a picture. The Garden of Eden is pictorial, a pictorial snake, and a pictorial woman, I suppose, and a pictorial man, and maybe it was a pictorial sin, and only a pictorial atonement. Ingersoll's Reply to Rabbi Bien then there is another gentleman, and he a rabbi, a rabbi bien, or bean, or whatever his name is, and he comes to the defense of the great lawgiver. There was another rabbi who attacked me in Cincinnati, and I couldn't help but think of the old saying that a man got off when he said the tallest man he ever knew, his name was short, and the fattest man he ever saw, his name was lean and it is only necessary for me to add that this rabbi in Cincinnati was wise. The rabbi here, I will not answer him, and I will tell you why. Because he has taken himself outside of all the limits of a gentleman, because he has taken it upon himself to traduce American women in language the beastliest I ever read, and any man who says that the American women are not just as good women as any God can make and pick his mud today is an unappreciative barbarian. I will let him alone, because he denounced all the men in this country, all the members of Congress, all the members of the Senate, and all the judges upon the bench. In his lecture, he denounced them as thieves and robbers. That won't do. I want to remind him that in this country, the Jews were first admitted to the privileges of citizens that in this country they were first given all their rights, and I am as much in favor of their having their rights as I am in favor of having my own. But when a rabbi so far forgets himself as to traduce the women and men of this country, I pronounce him a vulgar falsifier and let him alone. Strange that nearly every man that has answered me has answered me mostly on the same side. Strange that nearly every man that thought himself called upon to defend the Bible was one who did not believe in it himself. Isn't it strange? They are like some suspected people, always anxious to show their marriage certificate. They want at least to convince the world that they are not as bad as I am. Now I want to read you just one or two things, and then I am going to let you go. I want to see if I have said such awful things, and whether I have got any scripture to stand by me. I will read only two or three verses. Does the Bible teach man to enslave his brother? If it does, it is not the word of God, unless God is a slaveholder. Moreover, all the children of the strangers that do not sojourn among you, of them shall ye buy of their families which are with you, which they beget in your land, and they shall be your possession. Ye shall take them as an inheritance for your children after you to inherit them. They shall be your bondsmen forever. Old Testament. Upon the limbs of unborn babes, this fiendish God put the chains of slavery. I hate him. Both thy bondmen and bondwomen shall be of the heathen round about thee, and them shall ye buy, bondmen and bondwomen. Now let us read what the New Testament has. I could read a great deal more, but that is enough. 
servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh in fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto christ this is putting the dirty thief that steals your labor on an equality with god servants be subject to your masters with all fear not only to the good and gentle but also to the froward for this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward god endure grief suffering wrongly the idea of a man on account of conscience toward god stealing another man or allowing him nothing but lashes on his back as legal tender for labor performed let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of god and his doctrine be not blasphemed how can you blaspheme the name of god by asserting your independence how can you blaspheme the name of a god by striking fetters from the limbs of men i wish some of your ministers would tell you that and they that have believing masters let them not despise them that is to say a good christian could own another believer in jesus christ could own a woman and her children and could sell the child away from its mother that is a sweet belief oh hypocrisy let them not despise them because they are brethren but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit oh what slush here is what they will tell the poor slave so that he will serve the man that stole his wife and children from him for we have brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out having food and raiment let us be therewith content don't you think that it would do just as well to preach to the thieving man as to the suffering slave i think so then this same bible teaches witchcraft that spirits go into the bodies of the man and pigs and that god himself made a trade with the devil and the devil traded him off a man for a certain number of swine and the devil lost money because the hogs ran right down into the sea he got a corner on that deal now let us see how they believed in the rights of children if a man have a stubborn and rebellious son which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother and that when they have chastened him will not hearken unto them then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of his city and unto the gate of his place and they shall say unto the elders of his city this our son is stubborn and rebellious he will not obey our voice he is a glutton and a drunkard and all the men of this city shall stone him with stones that he die so shalt thou put evil away that is a very good way to raise children here is the story of jephthah he went off and he asked the lord to let him whip some people and he told the lord if he would let him whip them he would sacrifice to the lord the first thing that met him on his return and the first thing that met him was his own beautiful daughter and he sacrificed her is there a sadder story in all history than that 
What do you think of a man that would sacrifice his own daughter? What do you think of a God that would receive that sacrifice? Now then, they come to women in this blessed gospel, and let us see what the gospel says about women. Then you ought all to go to church, girls, next Sunday, and hear it. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, not Eve. Don't you see? And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. That is Mr. Timothy. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. I suppose that every old maid is acephalous. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man, for the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Do you hear that? You didn't know how much we were above you. When you go back to the Old Testament, to the great lawgiver, you find that the woman has to ask forgiveness for having borne a child. If it was a boy, thirty-three days she was unclean. If it was a girl, sixty-six. Nice laws, good laws. If there is a pure thing in this world, if there is a picture of perfect purity, it is a mother with her child in her arms. Yes, I think more of a good woman and a child than I do of all the gods I have ever heard these people tell about. Just think of this. When thou goest forth to war against thine enemies, and the Lord thy God hath delivered them into thine hands, and thou hast taken them captive, and seest among the captives a beautiful woman, and hast a desire unto her that thou wouldst have her to thy wife, then thou shalt bring her home to thine house, and she shall shave her head, and pare her nails. Wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but for conscience' sake. For this cause pay you tribute also, for they are God's ministers. I despise this wretched doctrine. Wherever the sword of rebellion is drawn in favor of the right, I am a rebel. I suppose Alexander, Tsar of Russia, was put there by the order of God, was he? I am sorry that he was not removed by the nihilist that shot at him the other day. I tell you, in a country like that, where there are hundreds of girls not sixteen years of age, prisoners in Siberia, simply for giving their ideas about liberty, and we telegraph to that country congratulating that wretch that he was not killed, my heart goes into the prison, my heart goes with the poor girl working as a miner in the mines, crawling on her hands and knees, getting the precious ore out of the mines and my sympathies go with her, and my sympathies cluster around the point of the dagger. Does the Bible describe a God of mercy? Let me read you a verse or two. 
I will make mine arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh. Thy foot may be dipped in the blood of thine enemies, and the tongue of thy dogs in the same. And the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little. Thou mayest not consume them at once, lest the beasts of the field increase upon thee. But the Lord thy God shall deliver them unto thee, and shall destroy them with a mighty destruction, until they be destroyed. And he shall deliver their kings into thine hand, and thou shalt destroy their name from under heaven. There shall no man be able to stand before thee, until thou have destroyed them. I can see what he had her nails pared for. Does the Bible teach polygamy? The Reverend Dr. Newman, Consul General to all the world, had a discussion with Elder Aber of Kimball, or some such wretch in Utah, whether the Bible sustains polygamy. And the Mormons have printed that discussion as a campaign document. Read the order of Moses in the thirty-first chapter of Numbers. A great many chapters I dare not read to you. They are too filthy. I leave all that to the clergy. Read the thirty-first chapter of Exodus, the thirty-first chapter of Deuteronomy, the life of Abraham, and the life of David, and the life of Solomon. And then tell me that the Bible does not uphold polygamy and concubinage. Let them answer. Then I said that the Bible upheld tyranny. Let me read you a little. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. George the Third was king by the grace of God, and when our fathers rose in rebellion according to this doctrine, they rose against the power of God. And if they did, they were successful. And so it goes on, telling of all the cities that were destroyed, and of the great-hearted men, that they dashed their brains out, and all the little babes, and all the sweet women that they killed and plundered, all in the name of a most merciful God. Well, think of it! The Old Testament is filled with anathemas, and with curses, and with words of revenge, and jealousy, and hatred, and meanness, and brutality. Have I read enough to show you that what I said is so? I think I have. I wish I had time to read to you further of what the dear old fathers of the church said about women. Wait a minute, and I will read you a little. We have got them running. St. Augustine, in his twenty-second book, says, A woman ought to serve her husband as unto God, affirming that women ought to be braced and bridled betimes, if she aspire to any dominion, alleging that dangerous and perilous it is to suffer her to proceed, although it be in temporal and corporeal things. How can woman be in the image of God, seeing she is subject to man, and hath no authority to teach? neither to be a witness, neither to judge, much less to rule or bear the rod of empire. Oh, he is a good one. These are the very words of Augustine. Let me read some more. Woman shall be subject unto man as unto Christ. That is St. Augustine, and this sentence of Augustine ought to be noted of all women, for in it he plainly affirms that women are all the more subject to man. 
and now st ambrose he is a good boy adam was deceived by eve called Hava, not Hava by adam and therefore just it is that woman receive and acknowledge him for governor whom she called sin lest that again she slip and fall with womanly facility don't you see that woman has sinned once and man never if you give woman an opportunity she will sin again whereas if you give it to man who never never betrayed his trust in the world nothing bad can happen let women be subject to their own husbands as unto the lord for man is the head of woman and christ is the head of the congregation they are all real good men all of them it is not permitted to woman to speak let her be in silence as the law said unto thy husband shalt thou ever be and he shall bear dominion over thee and so saint chrysostom he is another good man woman he says was put under the power of man and man was pronounced lord over her that she should obey man that the head should not follow the feet false priests do commonly deceive women because they are easily persuaded to any opinion especially if it be again given and because they lack prudence and right reason to judge the things that be spoken which should not be the nature of those that are appointed to govern others for they should be constant stable prudent and doing everything with discretion and reason which virtues woman cannot have in equality with man i tell you women are more prudent than men i tell you as a rule women are more truthful than men i tell you that women are more faithful than men ten times as faithful as man I never saw a man pursue his wife into the very ditch and dust of degradation and take her in his arms. I never saw a man stand at the shore where she had been morally wrecked, waiting for the waves to bring back even her corpse to his arms. But I have seen woman do it. I have seen woman with her white arms lift man from the mire of degradation and hold him to her bosom as though he were an angel." and these men thought woman not fit to be held as pure in the sight of god as man i never saw a man that pretended that he didn't love a woman that pretended that he loved god better than he did a woman that he didn't look hateful to me hateful and unclean i could read you twenty others but i haven't time to do it they are all to the same effect exactly they hate woman and say man is as much above her as god is above man i am a believer in absolute equality i am a believer in absolute liberty between man and wife i believe in liberty and i say o oh, liberty float not forever in the far horizon remain not forever in the dream of the enthusiast the philanthropist and poet but come and make thy home among the children of men i know not what discoveries what inventions what thoughts may leap from the brain of the world i know not what garments of glory may be woven by the years to come i cannot dream of the victories to be won i do know that coming upon the field of thought but down the infinite sea of the future there will never touch this bank and shoal of time a richer gift 
a rarer blessing than liberty for man, woman, and child. I never addressed a more magnificent audience in my life, and I thank you. I thank you a thousand times over. Ingersoll's Catechism and Bible Class Nothing is more gratifying than to see ideas that were received with scorn flourishing in the sunshine of approval. Only a few weeks ago I stated that the Bible was not inspired, that Moses was mistaken, that the flood was a foolish myth, that the Tower of Babel existed only in credulity, that God did not create the universe from nothing, that he did not start the first woman with a rib, that he never upheld slavery, that he was not a polygamist, that he did not kill people for making hair oil, that he did not order his generals to kill the dimpled babes, that he did not allow the roses of love and the violets of modesty to be trodden under the brutal feet of lust, that the Hebrew language was written without vowels, that the Bible was composed of many books written by unknown men, that all translations differed from each other, and that this book had filled the world with agony and crime. At that time I had not the remotest idea that the most learned clergyman in Chicago would substantially agree with me. In public, I have read the replies of the Reverend Robert Collier, Dr. Thomas, Rabbi Kohler, Reverend Brooke Herford, Professor Swing and Dr. Ryder, and will now ask them a few questions, answering them in their own words. First, Reverend Robert Collier. Question. What is your opinion of the Bible? Answer. It is a splendid book. It makes the noblest type of Catholics and the meanest bigots. Through this book men give their hearts for good to God, or for evil to the devil. The best argument for the intrinsic greatness of the book is that it can touch such wide extremes, and seem to maintain us in the most unparalleled cruelty, as well as the most tender mercy, that it can inspire purity like that of the great saints, and afford arguments in favor of polygamy. The Bible is the textbook of ironclad Calvinism and sunny universalism. It makes the Quaker quiet, and the Millerite crazy. It inspired the Union soldier to live and grandly die for the right, and Stonewall Jackson to live nobly and die grandly for the wrong. Question, but Mr. Collier, do you really think that a book with as many passages in favor of wrong as right is inspired? Answer, I look upon the Old Testament as a rotting tree. When it falls, it will fertilize a bank of violets. Question. Do you believe that God upheld slavery and polygamy? Do you believe that he ordered the killing of babes and the violation of maidens? Answer. There is a threefold inspiration in the Bible. The first, peerless and perfect, the word of God to man. The second, simply and purely human, and then below this again there is an inspiration born of an evil heart, ruthless and savage there and then as anything well can be. 
a threefold inspiration of heaven first then of the earth and then of hell all in the same book all sometimes in the same chapter and then besides a great many things that need no inspiration question then after all you do not pretend that the scriptures are really inspired answer the scriptures make no such claim for themselves as the church makes for them they leave me free to say this is false or this is true the truth even within the bible dies and lives makes on this side and loses on that Question. What do you say to the last verse in the Bible, where a curse is threatened to any man who takes from or adds to the book? Answer. I have but one answer to this question, and it is, let who will have written this. I cannot for an instant believe that it was written by a divine inspiration. Such dogmas and threats as these are not of God, but of man and not of any man of a free spirit and heart eager for the truth, but a narrow man who would cripple and confine the human soul in its quest after the whole truth of God, and back those who have done the shameful things in the name of the Most High. Question. Do you not regard such talk as slang? Supposed answer. If an infidel had said that the writer of Revelations was narrow and bigoted, I might have denounced his discourse as slang, but I think that Unitarian ministers can do so with the greatest propriety. Question. Do you believe in the stories of the Bible, about jail, and the sun standing still, and the walls falling at the blowing of horns? Answer. They may be legends, myth-poems, or what they will, but they are not the word of God. So I say again, it was not the God and Father of us all who inspired the woman to drive that nail crashing through the king's temple after she had given him that bowl of milk and bid him sleep in safety, but a very mean devil of hatred and revenge that I should hardly expect to find in a squaw on the plains. It was not the ram's horns and the shouting before which the walls fell flat. If they went down at all, it was through good solid pounding, and not for an instant did the steady sun stand still or let his planet stand still while barbarian fought barbarian. He kept just the time then he keeps now. They might believe it who made the record. I do not. And since the whole Christian world might believe it, still we do not who gather in this church. A free and reasonable mind stands right in our way. Newton might believe it as a Christian, and disbelieve it as a philosopher. We stand then with the philosopher against the Christian, for we must believe what is true to us in the last test, and these things are not true. Second, Reverend Dr. Thomas. Question. What is your opinion of the Old Testament? Answer. My opinion is that it is not one book, but many, thirty-nine books bound up in one. The date and authorship of most of these books are wholly unknown. The Hebrews wrote without vowels and without dividing the letters into syllables, words, or sentences. The books were gathered up by Ezra. At that time only two of the Jewish tribes remained. All progress had ceased. In gathering up the sacred book, copyists exercised great liberty in making changes and additions. Question. Yes, we all know that. 
but is the old testament inspired answer there may be the inspiration of art of poetry or oratory of patriotism and there are such inspirations there are moments when great truths and principles come to men they seek the man and not the man them question yes we will admit that but is the bible inspired answer but still i know of no way to convince anyone of spirit and inspiration and god only as his reason may take hold of these things question do you think the old testament true answer the story of eden may be an allegory the history of the children of israel may have mistakes question must inspiration claim infallibility answer it is a mistake to say that if you believe one part of the bible you must believe it all some of the thirty-nine books may be inspired others not or there may be degrees of inspiration question do you believe that god commanded the soldiers to kill the children and the married women and save for themselves the maidens as recorded in numbers thirty one two do you believe that god upheld slavery do you believe that god upheld polygamy answer the bible may be wrong in some statements god and right cannot be wrong we must not exalt the bible above god may be that we have claimed too much for the bible and thereby given not a little occasion for such men as mr ingersoll to appear at the other extreme denying too much question what then shall be done answer we must take a middle ground it is not necessary to believe that the bears devoured the forty-two children nor that jonah was swallowed by the whale third rev dr kohler question what is your opinion about the old testament answer i will not make futile attempts of artificially interpreting the letter of the bible so as to make it reflect the philosophical moral and scientific views of our time the bible is a sacred record of humanity's childhood question are you an orthodox christian answer no orthodoxy with its face turned backward to a ruined temple or a dead messiah is fast becoming like lot's wife a pillar of salt question do you really believe the old testament was inspired answer i greatly acknowledge our indebtedness to men like voltaire and thomas paine whose bold denial and cutting wit were so instrumental in bringing about this glorious era of freedom so congenial and blissful particularly to the long abused jewish race question do you believe in the inspiration of the bible answer of course there is a destructive axe needed to strike down the old building in order to make room for the grander new the divine origin claimed by the hebrews for their national literature was claimed by all nations for their old records and laws as preserved by the priesthood as moses the hebrew lawgiver is represented as having received the law from god on the holy mountains so is zoroaster the persian manu the hindu minos the cretan lycurgus the spartan and numa the roman question do you believe all the stories in the bible 
answer all that can and must be said against them is that they have been too long retained around the arms and limbs of grown-up manhood to check the spiritual progress of religion that by jewish ritualism and christian dogmatism they became fetters unto the soul turning the light of heaven into a misty haze to blind the eye and even into a hell-fire of fanaticism to consume souls question is the bible inspired answer true the bible is not free from errors nor is any work of man and time it abounds in childish views and offensive matters i trust it will in a time not far off be presented for common use in families schools synagogues and churches in a refined shape cleansed from all dross and chaff and stumbling-blocks on which the scoffer delights to dwell fourth reverend mr herford question is the bible true answer egersall is very fond of saying the question is not is the bible inspired but is it true that sounds very plausible but you know as applied to any ancient book it is simply nonsense question do you think the stories in the bible exaggerated answer i dare say the numbers are immensely exaggerated question do you think that god upheld polygamy answer the truth of which simply is that four thousand years ago polygamy existed among the jews as everywhere else on earth then and even their prophets did not come to the idea of its being wrong but what is there to be indignant about in that and so you really wonder why any man should be indignant at the idea that god upheld and sanctioned that beastliness called polygamy what is there to be indignant about in that fifth professor swing question what is your idea of the bible answer i think it is a poem sixth reverend dr ryder question and what is your idea of the sacred scriptures answer like other nations the hebrews had their patriotic descriptive didactic and lyrical poems in the same varieties as other nations but with them unlike other nations whatever may be the form of their poetry it always possesses the characteristic of religion question i suppose you fully appreciate the religious characteristics of the song of solomon no answer question does the bible uphold polygamy answer the law of moses did not forbid it and contained many provisions against its worst abuses and such as were intended to restrict it within narrow limits question so you think god corrected some of the worst abuses of polygamy but preserved the institution itself i might question many others but have concluded not to consider those as members of my bible class who deal in calumnies and epithets from the so-called replies of such ministers it appears that while christianity changes the heart it does not improve the manners and one can get into heaven in the next world without having been a gentleman in this 
it is difficult for me to express the deep and thrilling satisfaction i have experienced in reading the admissions of the clergy of chicago surely the battle of intelligent liberty is almost won when ministers admit that the bible is filled with ignorant and cruel mistakes that each man has the right to think for himself and that it is not necessary to believe the scriptures in order to be saved from the bottom of my heart i congratulate my pupils on the advance they have made and hope soon to meet them on the serene heights of perfect freedom end ingersoll's response to his critics this is a librivox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Ingersoll's response to his critics is part of the book Lectures of Colonel Robert Green Ingersoll, read for you by Ted DeLorme in Fort Mill, South Carolina, during August 2007.